This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Friend, I'd like to discuss something very powerful with you today. You have done nothing whatsoever to deserve the riches and spoils already in your possession, but you may have no knowledge of them. Hence the reason for today's broadcast. When it comes to being a Christian, knowledge is very important. The Apostle Peter admonished us to grow in knowledge because he knew that without it, the spoils of what Christ won on the cross for us may go to waste in our lives on a day-to-day basis. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. We are to grow in grace and knowledge, friend. As we gain understanding, we can partake of all the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. Some call this appropriation, which really means to take on board for yourself. But without knowledge of what Christ did on the cross for us, we have no capacity to take advantage of what he has already won and granted to us. As your knowledge of God's word increases, and especially what Christ did for you on the cross, you will identify yourself with him instead of your old fleshly nature and live a victorious and abundant life in Christ. Now let me share 11 things that Christ did for you right now that you may be unaware of. Jesus was punished that you might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that you might be healed. Jesus reconciled the hostility between you and God. He gave you peace. Jesus became sin with our sinfulness that you might be made the righteousness of God with his righteousness. Jesus endured our rejection that you might enjoy his acceptance. Jesus justified you. He acquitted you of all the accusations against you because of your sins. Jesus died in your place that you might share his Zoe life. Jesus was made a curse for you that you might receive the blessing. Jesus endured your poverty that you might share his abundance. Jesus bore your shame that you might share in his glory. Your old man died on the cross with him that you may rise up in newness of life. So what is man's diagnosis? What is the condition that he is in? Why are there so many problems on this earth? We have one thing in common. Man is the problem. Or more precisely, man's inherent sinful nature is the problem. But man himself remains ever blind to his own condition. Sin is a force that Christ quenched on the cross. And he dealt with it once and for all for us. Sin was the diagnosis and the cross was the cure. I'll say it again. Sin was the diagnosis and the cross was the cure. Philosophers down the ages have wrongly attempted to diagnose the soul of man, i.e. the mind, the will, and the emotions, but they remain blind to the spirit of man. We have a spirit problem, not a soul problem. Spirit is pneuma. Soul is suke in the Greek. We don't try to fix the soul to make the spirit come alive. No, it works in reverse. Our spirit man on the inside becomes born again firstly, and then our soul is positively influenced by that new birth as we meditate on God's word. A human on this earth can be spiritually dead or not born again and function with a soul and live in a physical body, no problem. There is nothing on the outside that shows he is spiritually dead, although in time his fruit will reveal his true nature. 
The unique condition of the Christian is that once we receive Christ into our hearts, our spirit man comes alive, and the mind or soul then needs to be conformed to Christ. The mind has the sway vote between the body and the spirit. You can either go the way of the flesh or the spirit. It is up to you. The mind casts the vote. It has the final say. That's why it's so important that we renew our minds, friend. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 talks about this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice that in the first verse we lay down our body as a living sacrifice and declare it is no longer ours. Then we conform our mind to God's word in that order. We need to do both for successful living in this life. Your flesh has a voice and it's still there even after you're saved. If you don't think your flesh has a voice, try going tomorrow all day without eating anything. You'll soon realize your flesh has a voice. The Apostle Paul spoke of this in the book of Romans. We don't just get saved and that's the end of it. Being born again means you start as a baby, but there is much to learn. And discipline is one of those traits for continued maturity. The soul needs to reach maturity and it is a progressive work. Being born again from death into life, however, is an instantaneous work when we're saved. Romans 7 verses 20 through 25 talks about Paul's struggles. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that, when I do good, evil is present within me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body? of this death. Now friend, Paul is describing the two natures warring within your members, i.e. the flesh and the spirit. When you're born again, your flesh is not cast out. The flesh resides, but it must be crucified daily. By being born again, your spirit man is born from death into life, but your soul and body remain the same. One day we will receive an incorruptible body, a redemptive body, but this is still to come. We will be once in that day, like Jesus, flesh and bone, not blood, this is glorification. Like him, we can eat food and pass through walls. Sounds pretty freaky, but that's exactly what we're headed for. And it's exciting. I can't wait for it. The Holy Spirit is connected to your spirit. It is alive and wants to do right. That is our focus. If we don't pursue that nature, then by default we will serve the flesh. It takes a decision of the will to walk in the spirit according to the word. My flesh wants to sit down and eat bluebell chocolate cookie dough all day on the couch for the next six weeks in my pajamas. Have nachos and grapes hand-delivered and don't touch the remote control. Friend, it's not hard to figure out what the flesh wants. In the Old Testament, there is mention of the word atonement. This means covering, but particularly it was a temporary covering. Each male member of the family would have to visit the priest on the Day of Atonement for a sacrificial covering for the next 12 months. Each year, this would be repeated over and over. Friend, this system was flawed. It was temporary and incomplete. The word atonement means at one moment because God and the sinner were brought into relationship or reconciliation for one more year. They were at one with each other. There was no hostility because the sin issue was dealt with temporarily. The Hebrew word for atonement is kapur, literally meaning covering.
Now let's read Hebrews 9 verses 13 through 14. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? So much more. We have a better covenant. Christ laid down his blood once and for all, and there is no need for sacrifices anymore. It says we have a better covenant than the Old Testament. In Hebrews 8, 6, we have better promises founded on a better covenant. The trouble is, many of the Jews, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, or whomever, many people thought that Jesus came to set up an earthly kingdom, to conquer Rome. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Incidentally, do you want to know why they're called Sadducees? Well, they didn't believe in the resurrection, so that's why they're so sad, you see. Okay, forgive me. Jesus came to conquer sin, not Rome. I will say it again. Jesus came to conquer sin, not Rome. Jesus did not front a political movement, but he will return as a conquering king the second time, and soon. Amen? There is a gospel out there right now that doesn't preach repentance. Come on your own terms. After all, didn't Jesus preach acceptance and love? Acceptance of what exactly? Your sinful condition? No, I don't think so. Repent means to turn about face 180 degrees in exactly the opposite direction from where you were headed. A gospel, my friend, without repentance is a gospel without saving grace or power, and it is no gospel at all. Remember, everybody must choose to die with Christ in order to be resurrected with him. John the Baptist preached, Repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was the forerunner. Repentance is the door through which you must step to come to saving grace. Yes, friend, the same Bible that teaches that God is love in 1 John also includes Luke chapter 16, unfortunately, and many other references concerning a literal hell that Christ spoke about, which is the place of the dead. Man has always wanted to remove parts of God's word that he doesn't like. There is even a gospel out there called universalism, which basically states that everybody's saved. They just don't even know it yet. Even the devil and his fallen angels will be saved eventually. Friend, in these last days, we are warned of this apostasy, which means a moving away from the truth. Like a little leaven, one piece at a time, it corrupts the whole batch. Not only do we embrace the cross ourselves and receive Christ, we must take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. This is not pretty. There was nothing pretty about the cross, nor the sacrificial altars for that matter, because we must choose God's will over our own on a daily basis. And that's what the cross represents. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 through 18, it says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Friend, the moment we stop preaching the cross, which is to repent, ask God for forgiveness of your sins, invite him into your heart, and believe he was raised from the dead, the moment we stop doing that, the church loses its power. Notice in verse 18, it is the power of God to those that are saved. When we preach the cross, some will be offended. We understand that. In fact, the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. As the scripture says, it doesn't make sense to them. They want to get personal credit. Many people like religions where they get stuff for doing stuff. But friend, we know that our works are never going to be good enough. 
There's no pride in just accepting Christ and then letting him work through your life. Man wants to earn something. He wants to show that he deserves it. This is the basis of all religions. And Jesus understood that too. Fear of offense does not stop us from preaching the good news that God the Father has provided eternal life through his Son. The verdict has already been given. Friend, unbelief is the only sin that can keep us from eternal life. Not believing is the one and only true sin. Not believing on the Son condemns you already, friend. Friend, we must never take the cross for granted, nor what Jesus did for us. And we will talk some more in the coming weeks about what exactly transpired on the cross and the exchanges that occurred. Friend, stay close to the cross. Hang on to it. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.